So as I, I said at the beginning of the service, um, we uh, were continuing our series of, uh, that we're calling Investing in the Future, where we're raising money and, and looking to start a new staff position uh, that would have the title Director of Youth, Family Life, and School Ministries. Um, this, uh, in, in a lot of ways, this, is, uh, this position is about investing in the next generation of Christians. And uh, the role here, of the, or the goal of this role, I'll say that five times fast, is, um, is really to reach out both to the youth um, that are currently present, as well as young families, but also to minister to and reach out to uh, the young families that are not part of a congregation or anything like that, or are not connected to the body of Christ, that literally pay to be here while school is in session. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've, I've kind of outlined some of the challenges that exist for uh, people raising uh, young kids in, within our culture and maybe some of the ways that we can actually minister to them. Uh, then the, the first week, I, I talked a little bit about just how isolated uh, young families tend to be right now uh, within our culture, uh, that we tend to raise our kids within very small social circles uh, and disconnected or far away from like family and, and extended family. It's a very lonely time to be raising kids, and that is extremely challenging as uh, somebody who you know I, I have a 10 almost 11 year old I can verify that for sure there's a reason why throughout most of human history children and families uh, were raised by villages for lack of a better term it's just better that way uh, and we as a church community like set aside anything to do with faith like just for just a second, um, if this were just a social circle or social uh, organization, it would still be a good idea to do this. Let alone the fact that so many are not connected to Jesus and we don't want that. Uh, last week, I talked uh, a little bit more about the problem and, and, how, and, and I observed how uh, anytime you change the way we as human beings communicate, you're going to fundamentally change culture. And this is, uh, as it turns out, a helpful explanation for why some of the older generations find some of the younger generations unintelligible. Uh, it's because there's been a pretty fundamental shift right as uh, the millennials, like people who are 40 and younger, came of age. Uh, and... Uh, even though that changes a lot of like what we think about authority and how uh, or and who has the right to speak in, into our lives, uh, we as the church have some things to offer that pretty much nobody else does. And I, I made the the statement that the kingdom of God or the currency of the kingdom of God is relationships, and that so much of what we do. Uh, by way of outreach and ministry comes down to the relationships that we have with others. And so one of my visions for this role, or this staff position, is specifically to help forge those relationships 
with these kids and with their families and, and help, hopefully and God willing, uh, help bring them in and in, integrate, them with, integrate them with our community. Excuse me. Um, now, w- there are a couple of observations that I want to make about that. Um, ministry is a team sport. This is not about hiring somebody to then go and do that. This is about having somebody who specializes that can then bring us along. Ministry is a team sport, and congratulations if you are connected to the body of Christ. You've made the team. So this isn't a position that's just going to solve problems or something, solve all our problems or something like that. We're not hiring Superman. We're hiring somebody to help run alongside us and reach out to people who desperately need Jesus, whether they know it or not. This week, or today, we're going to talk a little bit about what legacy means. Um, what it means to have a legacy and help establish a legacy. But uh, before I do that, I need to do the really, really uncomfortable thing of talking about money. Uh, I don't like talking about money. In fact, I find it very awkward. I'm the kind of guy who'd rather starve than ask people for money. That's just how I'm wired, I guess. Um, But we are fundraising, and that is a part of it. I, I will say at the outset, if you find yourself in a position where... Uh, you don't feel like God is leading you to give. Or you look at kind of where you are financially and you just don't see how it would be possible. Please do not feel obligated. Um, If God is not laying this on your heart, then don't. Um, I, I don't want conversations about money to come across as manipulative or you know who wouldn't want to be a part of the body of Christ or something like that um, because it's just not fair and money is complicated. Um, if this is something that does interest you and you do want to help us and, and invest, um, I'm just going to give you a couple of figures and then we can finally get the money talk part of this over with. It's like eating broccoli, you know, for dinner or with, with your dinner, it's like you just get that out of the way so you can get to like cheesecake or something. Not that I can eat cheesecake right now, but whatever. Um, we have, uh, thanks to um, uh, the, really the, the generous, um, generous gift or bequest of Yvonne Damoreau, um, we've received some funds uh, specifically given to the church for the sake of helping and starting ministries. And uh, out of that, we are, uh, we've been able to secure uh, $60,000 of matching funds. So up to $60,000, everybody, if you give $1, it will be matched out of that fund to make it $2. Our dream goal is to raise $80,000. And uh, with the $60,000 matching, what that gives us is uh, a year fully funded for this position, and then for the next three years, sort of a, a gradual, like basically easing this uh, position into the budget, if that makes sense. If you want more details, um, Al Cushman or Tom Hebblewhite would be good people to talk to. Uh, this also gives us then about $20,000 uh, for incidentals, moving costs, uh, you know, the works. Okay. That's, that's our goal. That's where, what we're hoping. Again, if you just don't feel like God is leading you to give, please don't. 
please do not feel obligated. Um, I think uh, one more thing to say about this, because uh, I forgot to say this first service and had to do it during the announcements. Uh, there are two people within this congregation that will see what you pledge. Um, I am not one of them. I, I will have no access to that. In fact, the vast majority of all of us will have no access for that. Uh, access to that information. This is private. Um, there will be a mailing sent out, I think, Monday or Tuesday, and it will give you more inform- give you some of this information. It will also tell you how you can pledge, whether it's one time or over a period of time. Okay, done. It's important, but again, like broccoli, it's not my favorite thing. Um, I want to talk about legacy. Because when we talk about ministering to the emerging generations, uh, that, I think, plays an important role. We, um, uh, we heard in the reading uh, from the book of Hebrews, the author of, of Hebrews, essentially talking about um, the legacy of faith. And he names a bunch of people that are... If you were a first century Jewish person, which is the audience of the book of Hebrews, who believes in Jesus as the Messiah, these people are, are the giants of the faith. They're some of the heroes. And the connection or the implication there is that just like they were, were um, they had the hope that God had given them. They believed in God. They followed the things that God had laid out for them. Like that set up a spiritual inheritance that is now the present generations. And that's a beautiful thing. But I think there's more that we could even say to that. Because when we talk about legacy and history and heritage... Uh, human beings can't seem to get away from thinking about where they come from. Um, I mean, think about it this way. Like, who cares what your great-great-grandmother did or who your grandfather was? Who cares where you come from? Who cares what your predecessors have done and you are, even though you're, you inherit some of whatever that is? Well, because on the one hand, it doesn't matter, does it? Like, it, it doesn't matter that my grandfather was in the Navy. It doesn't matter that my great, uh, gra- or my great uncle uh, flew bombing runs over Germany. Because it had, that has nothing to do with me. And yet it does matter? Like, it, it really matters. Human beings can't seem to get away from their history. And the reason for that, I think, is kind of tricky. But what it boils down to is that we as human beings are fundamentally storied creatures. We do not exist outside of a story. And even though we have all kinds of different and sometimes weird ways to explain it, we, we can't help but think of ourselves as part of some kind of story, some sort of, uh, some larger role, some larger whole, even if we look at the role in our, our heritage and see that it is marred and evil and gross and disgusting, we still have to deal with it. 
And we as, as followers of Jesus, just like and, and actually connected to the writer of Hebrews as he was saying, we have a very rich heritage. And we have the heritage that we have because it has been passed down to us. Now, it would be even true if we were just limited to some of the people that, um, that the writer of Hebrews had mentioned. This heritage is not perfect. That just even throughout like the giants of the faith in the Hebrew Bible, who did amazing things out of their faith and love toward God, uh, also did terrible things. Because that's kind of also what it means to be human. In the same way, uh, we as modern Christians, as we look into our past, uh, there's a whole lot of cringe, a lot of regret. And it's kind of in vogue um, to, to just rail against the church and, and Christians because apparently we're all evil or something like that. Uh, on the one hand, we don't gain anything by ignoring that. Yes, Awful things have been done in the name of Jesus that Jesus himself would weep over. And so while I don't want to dwell on that, it doesn't do us any good to to just pretend like it doesn't exist. On the other hand, Christians, us, followers of Jesus, have a rich history of invading, infecting, uh, becoming part of and growing cultures and nations for the better. I'll give you an example. One of the reasons, sociological reasons, that this early group of Christians just spread like wildfire throughout the Roman Empire was that for the first time, and pretty uniquely amongst Greco-Roman culture, uh, they, were, they were the community where it was prized to be a woman. Um, broadly speaking, Greco-Roman uh, people would see having girls as sort of a luxury. So if you had a big family, you may want one or two, but the rest you will find ways to get rid of. And then this weird group of people who believed that this Jewish Messiah had come and he was crucified and he was raised from the dead. And so they, they actually started trying to live out what it means to be this weird thing they would call new creation or resurrection life. They, they came to value everybody, the humanity of everybody, including and especially women. And if you are a woman in that culture, that's going to be very attractive. And when you have a group of people that prize and value women, and therefore there are a lot of women, you can do the math, there's going to be a lot of babies, and they they just expanded population-wise. It's kind of like one of these weird quirks that shows just how beautiful our heritage can be. There's a reason why hospitals and hospital systems often have the word saint in front of them. We invented them. Looking more in the modern era, uh, human rights, which is obviously a big and important topic these days, we invented that. 
human rights, the concept of human rights emerged in distinctly Christian cultures because we valued the fact that our fellow human beings bear the image of God like us. And so there are certain rights that, that are owed to them. We, we have a, a rich, um, rich heritage in, in even the sciences. Blaise Pascal, Isaac Newton, or if you want to go really modern, people like Francis Collins, former director of National Institute of Health, and the guy who kind of led the, the, the effort to crack the human genome is a committed, vocal, faithful Christian. Interestingly enough, Isaac Newton, you know, classical mechanics, Newtonian physics, calculus, all that good stuff, he, he wrote more theology than he did math and science. Uh, we don't read it because it turns out he was really bad at theology, and it's awful. Um, but he did it, so we're proud of him, you know? Or if you want to look more like on the humanity side, um, a, a, a well-known abolitionist, William Wilberforce um, in England, a, um, a vocal, virulent opponent of slavery because of his Christian conviction. And it seemed, according to one British historian, it seemed that he, his goal was to just bore everybody to death until they finally realized that slavery is not what God wants and it's time to get rid of such an evil institution. And he did it. And, and they won. Or if you want to get a little murkier, um, the, the, the slaver and, um, by all accounts, uh, kind of dangerous, violent alcoholic uh, named John Newton who would later come to Jesus and in understanding what that means, he would get sober and he would go on to uh, fight also against the institution of slavery and then as part of that go on to write the, the hymn Amazing Grace. Our heritage is rich Especially when you can lump together all of, and, and I've tried to pick some, some people that you probably haven't heard of or don't think about very often. Um, you throw these all into the mix and you add guys like Fred Rogers, you know, Mr. Rogers, or if you're really young, Daniel Tiger is kind of that, that legacy. Um, we're part of an institution that has changed the world. And we've done this because for nearly 2,000 years, our people have taken seriously this fact that God, in His divine and infinite wisdom, invaded the creation that He placed before Him by sending His Son, who is fully divine, fully human, taking on human flesh, who would then take on this mantle of humanity. And, and not only that, but, but when he eventually gets executed by, because he challenged the religious elite, when you challenge power, power always challenges back. Um, his death takes on cosmic significance. And it's not just his death, but he takes on our death. And also our, in, our, our tendency to live in death, to, to, to violate the humanness of ourselves and those around us. Um, our tendency to treat others as something less, uh, something less than human. And in his death, that darkness dies with him. 
And then in the shocking move that nobody saw coming except for Jesus, when God raised him from the dead, um, the New Testament authors talk about this thing called new creation that begins. And from that moment on, this group of Jesus followers, what we might call Christians, have gone on to live as though that new creation had already begun because it has, and it starts with us. And when you have a group of people who live as though this new creation is actively breaking in to the old creation, lives are transformed. Cultures are transformed. Everything has changed. So with that big picture in mind, my my hope and prayer for this position, um, as small as it may seem in comparison to those big things, is to take that heritage that we have, that joy, that hope, and that salvation that Jesus has given us, and help us minister to the next emerging generation. And in that sense, it is quite literally an investment. You are likely here because somebody older and wiser than you invested in you, leading to you becoming part of the church. And so now it's our turn to do, to do the same, to continue doing it, uh, to take up the mantle of the past and invest in um, our young people, invest in our young families, and reach out to those who cross our doors all the time and, and help them understand what it means to be a part of this incredible, beautiful, world-changing heritage that begins with us individually and specifically transformed. Amen.